As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Lingard! Hoists it just wide. Well, it's a wake-up call for Chelsea because they've not really started this half. VAR sign, he goes to his pocket and brings out a red card for Fabian Balbuena. Well, endangering an opponent, it's clearly what he feels he's done. Violent conduct will get an exact view on that. But I have to say, Chris, that does feel like some pretty rough justice for West Ham. Hello and welcome to UI's the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic with me, Sam Delaney, and The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. We speak to you off the back of a second defeat in a row. Not often that's happened this season. So where does that leave us for the running to the Champions League position that we are implausibly hunting with only a few games left? Uh, we're going to be discussing that. Um, and of course, uh, some of the incidents from the Chelsea game and who knows what else. So stick with us, Rashane. How are you doing? I'm all good, Sam. Yourself? I'm all right, thanks. I feel fine. I feel fine, mate. There's a lot of anger, a lot of tension, <laughs> a lot of anxiety and dismay um, amongst some of the West Ham family at the moment. But we've always been the home of positivity. And I think that's just a reflection of our, of our personalities. We're, we're upbeat guys, but also because we've seen... The bad times at West Ham. And it's I, I refuse to let two defeats in a row by one goal margins with reasonable, not not terrible performances, reasonable performances, especially under the circumstances of an injury crisis. I'm not going to let that get me down, mate. I, I just will not let that get me down. How could I? We sit fifth in the league with, what is it, five games left? Yeah, five games left. Five games left, fifth in the league. Still in it, I don't care. If I, after the hell that I have gone through as a West Ham supporter my whole life, after the absolute dog shit that has been served up to us consistently for decades, right? I think it would be, I might as well go and pack up and support <laughs> bloody Tottenham or Chelsea, right? If I'm going to be the sort of idiot who, after a couple of narrow defeats in the midst of the injury crisis, starts whining, whinging, and throwing my toys out of the plan, right? This is this is whatever happens. This has been a brilliant season, and I'm gonna I'm gonna love it for all it's worth. 
<laughs> I, I certainly agree with you on that, Sam. And listen, the defeat against Chelsea was a narrow one-nil defeat. And that's without what Antonio, Creswell, Masaraki, Declan Rice. Yeah, you know I mean, so that's something to consider as well. And I feel like what will help West Ham, to be honest, it was for my match piece on Monday. What will help West Ham if they're running? Got Burnley next. I feel like we can beat Burnley. Got Everton. They've been a bit hit and miss. I know they beat Arsenal, but they've been a bit hit and miss for large parts of the season. The only match I'm worried about in the remaining five games with Brighton because they've been a bit of a bogey team for us. But besides that, we can still do it. We have David Moyes. He's been there before. And I feel like that's important because whether players will have a bit of nerves, you've got a manager who's done it before. We're finishing fourth at Everton. His backroom staff have a lot of experience. So they'll be like calming the players as well. And listen, you have a chance to make history, finishing top four. That The players must relish that. They won't be like, oh, you know, we've got a lot of injuries, we could mess out. The players are relish that. So it's still plenty to play for. I've seen a lot of fans like, oh, we're going to miss out. We're not going to do it. I don't know what on earth you guys have been having for your coffee, but you got to be optimistic because we can still do it. Listen, it doesn't, there's two brilliant things about this. One is we've still got a great chance. We've lost two games. And yet, what an inc- think about what an incredible season this is that we can lose two games back to back and still be right in the mix with a very plausible chance of getting into the Champions League. Not that you won't believe the Champions League, right? We're in a position, this is West Ham we're talking about, everyone, right? Talk to everyone listening now. This is West Ham. Unless you've been watching another club who consistently threaten the top four, right? Who consistently play in Europe, right? Who consistently win more games than they lose. If you've been watching some other club and I've been dreaming, then I understand you being despondent, right? But we, we're, there's five games to go and we are still in it. But the thing is, we cannot fail now. And people might say, oh, you're being unambitious or, or you know, that's a, that's a small time mentality. Yeah, well, guess what, everyone? We are quite small time. That's the reality, right? We don't move to a new stadium or have a lot of passionate fans or, or add, add the captain of the World Cup winning team you know, 50, 60 years ago. And that automatically means that we should expect stuff like this. We have been small time for years, right? We have not achieved anything. And these things should happen very gradually or they the only time they occasionally happen quickly is if some sort of insane multi-billionaire comes and takes over your club. And as we discussed last week in the light of the Super League, careful what you wish for, that's not something any of us should want, right? So what is happening this season is close to a miracle because it hasn't happened. It's not the culmination of a gradual bit of progress, right? Which you could even, you could argue even Leicester was. Leicester had been, there had been investment and careful planning going into Leicester for years before they won the league, right? Um, and we haven't been taken over and had a load of money. What has happened is we were rubbish. We reappointed a manager who was no one's first choice. And he took the playing squad that we had, spent a very small amount of money and somehow made us threaten for the top four. So let's not take anything for granted. But what I'm saying is, mate, it doesn't matter. We've had a fantastic season. They have given us more happiness than sadness for the first time in bloody years. And that's incredible. And and so I'm actually going to the game on Monday at Turf Moor and I've seen some bad reviews for the hotel pal. I've seen some really, I've seen some two stars. I think, you know, no, this training this has to be worth it. You know what I mean? But, well, but Burnley is not <laughs> the nicest places, mate. Not really. I mean, it's not like a tourist destination. Not really. Uh, the last time I went to Burnley, right, we had to put our hand up for the train to stop. 
This is how old school Burnley is. <laughs> Mate, the, the, the Athletic, they, they put you up in two-star hotels. This isn't good, man. All right, I'll tell you what, right? Whenever it's a away game, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like, it has to be Holiday in. If it's yeah. not Holiday in, I'm not interested. But yes. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not seeing Holiday in, in Burnley. There I mean, isn't I'm, one in Burnley. You'd have to go down the road to Manchester to get something like that, mate. Yeah, and that, that would only make the trip even even harder, you know. Let, so let me let me just recommend to you, since we're in this discussion, premierings. I don't know what your experience of them is, but they are really good, mate. Oh, okay. You can book late and sometimes get rooms for as little as forty quid. They are really nicely done out. You get a nice flat screen. The mattresses are unbelievable, right? <laughs> Put it this way. I do another podcast called Top Flight Time Stream, right? And we did a live tour of our pod last year before lockdown. And my co-host, and we stayed predominantly in premierings, right? And I was sniffy and snobby because, you know, a man like me, I'm used to top five-star luxury, right? But we were trying to do this on a budget. And my co-host went, premiering all the way, mate. We can't be blowing all the money we earn on flashy hotels. I was overcome by it. But here's the important thing that I need to tell you. The mattresses were so good that my co-host, Andy Dawson, asked one of the managers, where'd you buy your mattresses from? And when he got home, he bought one of the mattresses <laughs> for his own home. That's how oh, good the mattresses are. So investigate that. Plus, the breakfast buffet, unbeatable. Oh, wow. Unbeatable, Rashane. Oh, wow. Just, you just, won't have... Just, Do you I like say, a cooked breakfast when you're on a away day or not? I, I, love, I love a cooked breakfast, Sam. I, yeah, say that. I love a cooked breakfast. I really do. Uh, you know what? Just on the subject of hotels, when I went to uh, to Nice to interview Junior Forbear, I stayed mm. in Holiday Inn there. Oh, my mm. goodness, Sam. This, holi- this hotel was beautiful. Different level in France, diff- isn't it? Diff- di- you, know, you know when you have standard class and you have first class? Yeah. That, that, that was the difference between this Holiday Inn and the one you yeah. got in England. It was yeah. different, different gravy. So their <laughs> standard class in France... It would be like our first class in England. Pretty much, pal. Pretty much. Pretty much. It's amazing, mate. I'd love to be out there. You, you're giving me drama. I'm missing. I'm feeling stir crazy stuck on this island anyway. <laughs> um, well, that's hotels for you. Any hotel views, get in touch. You know our Twitter handles. You know, get in touch. We'd love to exchange views on that. And we'll all be thinking and praying for Rashane when he's up in Burnley on a, on Monday night <laughs> in the two-star, the Burnley Grand or whatever it's called. I oh, know, um, keep your thoughts, guys, keep your thoughts. Let's look a little bit at the game. It's hard. Is there, is there anything that you can fault Moyes for in that game? I mean, the team he's picking at the moment, he hasn't got many choices or options, has he? I know, it's just, it's just really threadbare at the moment in terms of lack of options. But you know what? The one positive I thought from that game was Ryan Fredericks playing as left fullback. Mm. I feel like we didn't utilise that enough because every time he got the ball, he's had the better of uh, Andres Christensen. He's always beat mm. him in terms of pace. And I feel like Fredericks has really improved this season in terms of his final ball. And whenever he got the ball, he looked a threat. There was one case in the first half where Noble was on attack. Fredericks made a good attacking run. Noble didn't pass to him. And Fredericks was like, well, he said, what the F are you doing? Come on, pass yeah, the ball yeah, to yeah. And yeah. I thought, that, bear in mind, he hasn't really played much. I thought, that's really good. Like, I love to see that from Fredericks. So, in my opinion... I always, I've always, i said this before, I, I always worry about Fredericks because when he does, makes a mistake, yeah. not even a mistake mistake, but he doesn't, you know, like, sometimes, it, you know, let's say he crosses, but it doesn't quite find its man. So, you wouldn't class it as a mistake. Just like, Have you seen the look on his face afterwards? <laughs> he is a man who beats himself up really hard. Like, he sh- he's got this thing where he's just always shaking his head. 
and yeah. sort of blowing his like, like he's really like disappointed with himself all the time. And when he got subbed, which I didn't think was a reflection on his performance, because I, I agree with you, I thought it was a standout performance. Um, he was doing the same thing, like he was really disappointed. I, I feel like saying to him, Fredericks, mate, you know, believe in yourself, you're improving, you're a great lad, you've got electrifying pace, you're a real threat. Believe in yourself because that was one of his better performances and playing on the left as well. Not easy. I mean, he was having to get because of the way he plays. He's never going to cut inside onto his right because his threat is literally like a, a like a express train to just knock the ball past the fullback and go straight past him. So and and for that reason, he's never gonna cut back because the whole point is he can just get himself clear and get across him before the defender's got a time to recover. That means he kept having to cross on his left. And he used to not, he used to struggle to cross it with his right, to be honest, although he's improved in that. But he actually did all right with that even. You know, he he he, he showed some good delivery, like you say. So he's an, he's great when you're playing wing backs. He's a he's a real threat to the extent that I think, you know, Kufau, fantastic, one of the success stories of the season. But you know what? When you're playing 4-4-2, Two fouls of brilliant right back. When you're playing wing backs, could be that some games you're, you're better off playing Fredericks at right wing back, which would be a terrible tragedy for one of the best players this season in Kufau. And Kufau, it's no slouch going forward either. He's got a good cross, he tends to cross deeper usually. But Fredericks is such an extra threat on top of your actual attacking players. I think against certain teams, particularly if, if Moyes identifies that team as having a sluggish left back, you know, I think when everyone's fit again, the idea of having Fredericks down the right and Masuaku down the left, you can you'd really trouble teams with that, wouldn't you? When you, they've already got to worry about Lingard and Bowen yeah. in the in the middle, you know, for sure. And what I like most about Ryan Fredericks in terms of his development, he's becoming a nice versatile player. So I remember against Aston Villa, we played as a right midfielder. I figured, oh, Fredericks is a right midfielder. That could work. And obviously the left fullback at Chelsea, oh, that could work. And until Cresswell and Masaraki get back, I feel like he should be the preferred option ahead of Ben Johnson. I feel like in that match, he offered a lot more, uh, this is Fredericks that is, he offered a lot more as we touched on going forward. And listen, I'm happy, in I'm happy for him in terms of how, how he's progressed because what you say about Fredericks before was uh, he's like that player on FIFA, he's 99 pace and that was it. Yeah, was it. It was the yeah, yeah. 99 yeah. pace, but he didn't have much to offer. But now we're seeing him bringing our stuff to his game, and hopefully, you have an important role to play in West Ham, potentially finishing the top four. Another really good example of the impact David Moyes and the coaching team have had on this because there is a player who I felt was going nowhere at West Ham. You know, I felt like we had been looking for a replacement right back for a long time, and when we finally found too foul. You thought, well, that's it. Game over for Fredericks. Fredericks has stayed motivated, despite the fact he's clearly not a first-choice player. He's played in a variety of positions and whenever he's done it, he, is, he has been an improved player this season. And so now, whether he's our first-choice or our reserve right-back, sometimes right-midfielder, sometimes left-back or left-wing-back, he's going to come in and, and, and be decent. He even got a goal earlier in the season. Yeah. So I really, I feel good for him because I, I do actually, joking aside, I do feel that he's a player who, who sometimes lacks belief and confidence in himself. So whether or not our coaching team have suddenly improved on that, I really hope that he that he continues to do well. 
Um, so, yeah, that was decent. It's, it's only really worth looking at positives. I mean, if I look at the goal, to me, I felt that the cross came over too easily. I can't, uh, you know, you just shot. And I think, I don't know, you, you probably, you've got a keener eye than me for this sort of thing. But I feel that in recent games, we've let a lot of goals in from crosses and that we've been letting crosses in too easy. Like if you go back to even the Arsenal game where we threw away that 3-0 lead, you know, um, who was it? Was it Chambers who kept getting yeah. down, down, Cresswell. The, Cresswell. down there? Right. And yeah. it was like there was too many crosses coming in. It's not so much you can look at the way in which we defend those crosses once they get in the area. And that's a problem too, because there's people very often, like the goal against Chelsea, they, you know, he was free. Werner was free in the area completely. So I don't know whether that's because we're missing Declan Rice or what. And Declan Rice is usually guy, I guess, picking up the runner. But yeah, I don't know. Do you think that's a, been a problem that we're just letting too many crosses come into our area? For sure. Even if you think about the match against Newcastle, you know, Matt Ritchie's corner kick, uh, Lucas Fabianski fumbling that, it goes into the net because mm. Joel Linton scores from a tap in. Even the winning goal is scored from uh, Joel Linton. That was from a cross. Rolls above yeah. Ben Johnson, so it's definitely something that's concerning because we're getting into well, we are at the end of the season now. You don't want players to be making mistakes or this to be uh, Achilles' heel, if you were to phrase it as that. And for whatever reason, we seem to be conceding goals that we weren't early in the season. And I thought it was just because you don't have a bother in the team, but now he's back mm. and, we're, and it's still a problem. I'm thinking, what on earth is happening here? Like we weren't doing this early in the season, so it's definitely a concern for sure. And I feel like it's something that I'm always planning to address moving forward. Well. I guess there's two things you can say. One, it's only probably a minor point, but I do think it's a bit relevant, is that we were at our best when we had Ogbonna playing in the heart of the defence, the centre of that three. And because whoever plays in the centre of the three, I guess is the guy marshalling it and holding the line, right? And Ogbonna is clearly the best communicator. He's very loud. He's sort of a, a senior player. He obviously commands respect. And there was not just his own individual performances, but the way he seemed to be in control of the whole defence. And then Cresswell to his left, also a bit of a leader. And then, you know, various people have, have played, were playing to the right. You know, Diop, Balbuena and Dawson all had spells and all, all have done well. And I think that that's... And so now, Ogbonna's come in just as Cresswell's gone out. Ogbonna's had to start playing on the left. Balbuena, who hasn't played much at all, in recent months, has come in and had to play in the centre, which I think is the key role of that back three. And Diop, who I think is probably my least favourite, I think they've all done decent this season, but I think that Diop is probably the, I would say, the least accomplished on form this season, you know, because he, he can sometimes still switch off or he switches off in possession sometimes and he doesn't have that brute that Ogbonna and Dawson have when crosses come in as well. Just that sort of like old-fashioned centre-back, no one's getting ahead on this. And he, and he should do because, you know, he's the tallest of all of them. We're lacking a consistency. And even the wing-backs, you know, Masuaku was, has played there. Johnson, Frederick, sometimes Cresswell will play there. So it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. That's why I feel like defence should be the priority of this summer because mm. I feel like we should get someone younger to play alongside Ogbonna. So he doesn't have to do all the work. He's getting older in age now. Bonner just wants to chill during yeah. matches. Like, he should be having to do all the work all the time. So hopefully we're getting someone younger. And to be fair, that should be Diop. But for whatever reason, he just, he just hasn't reached the next level we all thought he would do. Like, mm. he just seems to be this kind of guy that will just switch off. Like, it's like he gets bored during matches. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I feel like that. I feel that 
I feel that a player like him, who has got, he still has potential to be a very good player. But I think from West Ham's point of view, considering that we never have much money to spend, who does? And that if we want to make some decent signings, we're going to have to sell. To me, he's a prime candidate because usually we sell players who don't have much value. So really, it's just an exercise in getting them off, off the wage bill. But you look at Diop's age, you sort of think, He's someone you can still fetch a reasonable fee for, but he is not first choice. I mean, me, when I'm playing FIFA career mode, manager mode, mate, if a decent offer comes in for anyone who is not a consistent starter, I feel duty-bound to accept it, to be honest. <laughs> I think I cannot, I cannot, you know, with a clear conscience, uh, uh, turn this many millions of pounds down for this club for a player who I don't even know if I'm going to pick when everyone's fit, Right. Just doesn't seem right. And that's the thing. Like, if we're going to, you know, <laughs> if, if we could get 20 million for Diop or whatever it was, maybe more, I mean, you know, maybe 30 or whatever, and then spend, like, the bulk of that, say, on a very good left back, like yeah. a proper proven established left back, you know, maybe he's already in the Premier League, who can do the lot, which I think we need to do it. You know? Yeah. Oh, Sam, here's an important question for you, pal. So whenever you sell like a fringe player, do you, do you uh, include a sell-on fee? That's an important part as well, you know? Nah, well, it depends on their age. I oh, tend okay. not to sell young young players of good quality, yeah. but I probably should, now you've said it, I probably should do that more, actually. I should think about that because you, I'm, I'm often, if anyone, if, if you come in with a bid for anyone over 30, you're getting that player. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting that player and, and if they're over 30 I don't I can't be bothered negotiating a sell-on fee because you think this is their last big deal yeah but you know what yeah <laughs> just, just on the subject of games I'm playing a game right now called Retro Bowl it's like NFL I'm not sure how, how, how yeah. big you are in NFL and I've got this yeah. really amazing player right he's what, 32 he's a running back he's won everything for me MVP rings offensive player of the year but I saw yeah. a 22 year old same stats and I thought you know what should I be loyal to this guy who's been with me for so long or get the 22-year-old? You know what I've done, Sam? Got mm. a 22-year-old. Got it, mate. Got to think about always, always invest in youth. Always invest yeah. in youth. I'm like, we're like, we're like Moyes now. We've got, we've got to get that young and up-and-coming prospect. The only time I'll get an older player, right, is if I've got a decent keeper, but I want someone who's rated in the 80s to be on the bench just in case of an injury. Ah, so I'll, I'll go out and I'll sign a 35-year-old keeper, right? <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's still rated about 84, but he's yeah. like almost on a free. That's the only time you'll see me spending on the over 30s, mate. You know what's so <laughs> mad? I had Fabianski, right? And I needed a backup and I tried to get Joel Hart and he turned me down. He turned me down. Yeah, interesting. You become, do you ever become um, personally affronted when in a computer game someone turns <laughs> you down <laughs> and you're raging? And you go, Who the hell are you to turn me down? Oh my goodness, I offer good money as well, but hey, it is what it is. is Don't you let personal emotions get involved in your gaming. Um, One of the things that I used to like to do was, uh, I say used to like to do, like really recently I've done this. Um, So in FIFA career mode, you actually go into the room with the other manager (laughs) and there's an animated conversation, right? So Frank Lampard is still the Chelsea manager in the current FIFA. And obviously, like most West Ham fans, I have a lot of animosity towards Frank Lampard. And I also genuinely think that Frank Lampard is one of those uptight sort of like the head boy at school, you know, who'd always grasp you and suck up to the headmaster. I think that's his kind of vibe, right? 
like the way he reacted to Bielsa spying on him was so uptight. <laughs> so what I like to do to entertain myself is put a bid in. Say I want to make a bid for like one of Chelsea's best players, right? So I go, I want, I want to make a bid for whoever, like, you know, Timo Werner. And he goes, yeah, all right. And he goes into the room and he goes, so you'd like to bid for Timo Werner? I go, yeah, that's right. And he goes, how much do you want to bid? And I go, a quid. And then he goes, what? And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but the other manager, if you put in a, an insulting offer, they go mad. They lose their shit. And he stands up and starts going, I cannot believe you have wasted my time, right? This is a complete waste of time. I thought you were being serious, but this is out of order and I'm leaving. And he storms out, right? Then do you know what I do after that? Go back, go, I want to make a bid for Kai Havertz. And then you're back in the room with him five minutes later. How much do you want to offer? Pounds. I cannot believe you've done this again. Now, I understand, right? I'm a 46-year-old father, and these are video games, and everything about the story I've just told you is pathetic, but I believe in honesty, and that is something I sometimes do to help myself relax, yeah? Um. And I can recommend it to any West Ham fan out there. It's bloody brilliant. You go through the whole team. You can have that Frank Lampard in and out of that office, like or wherever it is you've met him. Sometimes you meet him in a restaurant or something. You can have him in and out 15 times in a row. And every time he's lost his temper, and you're thinking this might be the time he keels over. The straight he had a panic attack. Oh. Anyway, there you go. That's how oh. I that, that's how I spend my time. That's hilarious. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits, and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. Yeah, we've got to talk about the sending off of Balbuena. Um, as I understand it, Balbuena was sent off and, you know, I know people were angry and said it was wrong and all the rest of it, but I looked into it. And to be fair, there was a small rule that is not often discussed, but you can be sent off for kicking the ball too hard, <laughs> right? That's a new directive, right, yeah. from UEFA. Because they felt that it was sending the wrong message out to kids, right? Because it's too aggressive. And so there's a certain level of, you can't kick the ball too hard. Like players who really could dump the ball long range. It's why you don't see many shots going in from 30 yards anymore like you used to. 
right? Because you're just not allowed to. So like Julian Dix, he would have been sent off every week, not for the tackles, but for the how hard he used to kick the ball. Yeah. And and it was ruled. People thought it was about says it wasn't. He kicked the ball so hard that the ref said, "I'm not having that. Not on my pitch. Get off." Right. And um, maybe I don't know. Maybe Balboa. I I was unaware of that rule. Me too, Sav. Me too. And you know what, right? When it happened, because the press box, we can be quiet, you know, a loud bunch whenever there's like a contention yeah. decision. I kid you not, we're all like, no way is that a booking. No way is that a booking. And then when he went over to like the monitor to look, we're thinking, what are you looking at? Like, it's not it's not a booking ref. As then he all, he all went back to, and we're all like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> we're like kids, we're all like, whoa, what's he going to do next? Yeah. And then we saw the red card and we thought, what on earth is going on here? Mm. What on earth is going on here? Surely you must, it's the wrong card in your pocket. Surely it must be a yellow if you're going to like really book him. And then we yeah. also heard that he came off and we're thinking, the thing is, right, where on earth is Balbina meant to put his right leg? Where yeah. on earth is he meant to put his leg? And the thing is, right, David Moyes, he was so pissed off after the match. So pissed off, Sam. I, you can just, David Moyes has this look in his face when he's angry. It's like... You wouldn't want to mess with him. You don't want to mess with him. You don't want to mess with him. Like you it's not even worth doing that one quid thing on FIFA. That's 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 how angry. Uh, no, I wouldn't do that to <laughs> No way. <laughs> but that's how angry it gets. And he was like, "Listen, this referee. If you make that decision, clearly you haven't played the game. Clearly mm-hmm. you haven't played the game. If you're going to send a player off for that." So yeah, all of us agree with that. It was an absolute scandalous decision. It was bad enough for Suchek, but Balbuena as well. And people say you hear a lot of people going, "Oh, it's not like the old days. There's no tough guys anymore." Part of me thinks, "Yeah, but." You know what? There's a lot of skill and technique in the game that there didn't used to be. And if there were still hatchet men who were allowed to sort of, you know, those old days where it's like the ref will let you do three or four reducers, as they used to call them, before he gets a card out, right? I don't know whether I miss those days because as much as I liked watching people like Julian Dixon, Martin Allen play in that sort of really passionate way, right? It, it ultimately means that the game discourages the sort of like amazing poetic skill that you can see more of these days. And so I think the rules have gone too far. I think it was right that the rules became a bit more strict and you can't have people putting in potential career-ending tackles left, right and centre in every game, right? As fun as it could be sometimes to see those sliding tackles flying in. So it needed to be clamped down. It makes the game a better spectacle. But it's gone so far now that if you're basically saying no physical contact, then, you know, the main thing is, is that you're discouraging players. You're, you're encouraging players to dive because they know they're always going to get something out of it. Every time Harry Kane or Jack Grealish throw themselves over, they know there's like a 90% chance they're going to get something for it, you know. And, and that's a shame. West Ham are doing well. We're fifth. Chelsea have got tough results and some other fixtures coming up that are going to be very distracting, not least the Champions League semi-finals. They are inconsistent. You know, I didn't think they were fantastic against us. They drew with Brighton. We know they got battered not that long ago by West Brom. No one else is putting together any form of consistency whatsoever. So you just never know. But the thing is, we're under less pressure than anyone. Do you know what I mean? If you are a Chelsea fan or a Liverpool fan, you don't get into the top four or a Tottenham fan. You are quite rightly gutted, right? But um, if you're a West Ham fan, you shouldn't shouldn't allow yourself to be too gutted. You really shouldn't. If If we finish in the top six, you know, I'm not saying it's open top bus time, but you should certainly raise a drink 
to, to David Moyes and the lads if we finish in the top six. But, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, the most thing I'm most excited to hear from you, if you do have any updates, is, is, is whether or not we um, are going to get any of our key players back anytime soon. Well, Declan Rice is back in light training. The club posted a picture of uh, Declan Friday. Everyone's like, hallelujah. Brilliant. Rice, Rice, baby is back. Yeah. So, yeah, he's back in light training. It's still hit and miss. Not Sorry, not hit and miss. Touch and go with uh, Cresswell and Masaraki because he was, he was supposed to be involved for Newcastle for the fitness, fitness test. Obviously, missed a match against uh, Chelsea as well. So, hopefully, he'll be back. But the, the signs aren't positive at the top for the time being. For who? Uh, for both of them? Yeah, for both of them. For both right. of them. Got Antonio, that's... Definitely later on towards the end of the season. We're looking at perhaps Southampton game for Antonio to be back. Last Hopefully game. back sooner, but looking at that. So, but, but if you could choose any of those players to come back first, it would definitely be Declan, wouldn't it? I mean, clearly there is a problem down the left. We've got two, we have two left-footed defenders and they're both out. So we that means that really between now and the end of the season, we've got to face up to the fact that we're playing right-footers in, in left-bat and left-wing-bat. It's not ideal. Um, but, Declan coming back would be the most important thing of all. And I think they said he'd be, I think we were originally told he might be back for the last three. But if he's doing light training now, maybe, I mean, probably Burnley will be too soon, but you never know. He, he might be back for the last four games and that could be extremely important, couldn't it? Yeah, for sure. And you have to think about Declan Rice is he's so fit. Primus injury, the last match or well, league match he missed was like almost two years ago. It was like, hmm. I think May 2019. Like, yeah. he's been never, never present member of the team. And you know what, Sam? Just touching on your earlier point about, you know, falling out of love with the game and it being not fun as when you're younger. I feel like this season, we've been such a fun team to watch, especially for neutral yeah. fans. If you're watching yeah, yeah. West Ham right now, you expect drama, you expect yeah. five goals. So, yeah. for example, the game on Sunday, you think, wow, only one goal scored in this match. What on earth is happening here? But you can expect so much drama. And I feel like, you know, lockdown and all that stuff. We've been a club that everyone can watch and be like, you know what? That club's doing all right. I think we've been the story of the season. I think, you know, fair play if City win the league. We'll all applaud them for that. But City winning the league, you know, to me, that's a default position. They've got so much money. They've got the superstar manager. And you just sort of think, really, it's a reflection of a boring season if City win it. Right. And that, but fine. Um, You know, whatever. Well done. Congratulations. The real story of this season is West Ham. And you're right, it's not just the fact that we're we're currently, you know, riding high on the table. It's the fact that to watch as well the kind of football that we've played and won with, you know, with so many kind of exciting, exhilarating, fast forwards. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you think of the kind of goals we've played, you think of the likes of Bowen and Antonio and obviously Lingard and Benarama running at, running at defenders scoring like exciting goals on the break and then there's been so many big moments involving West Ham I mean you know Lanzini's equaliser against Tottenham has got to be one of the the moments of the season for you know not just for West Ham but for any club you know and some of the goals that Lingard has turned up and scored are unbelievable and Suchek has has continued to score great goals as well so you know I think you know I, I do hope that Moy, like you called it age ago, that Moy should get manager of the season. I, I think there's a good chance he will. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, I'm Adam Hurry and Football Clichés is the podcast you never knew you needed. Every week, to quite unnecessary depth, we examine the words, the phrases, the accepted wisdom, the mannerisms, the habits, the gestures, the symbols, the sounds and the smells that everyone takes for granted in football, but which really are the glorious glue that holds it all together. For example, have you ever really listened to the Football League goals roundups? I mean, really listen to them? Because they all sound pretty much like this. Team X went into this game with just one win in their last 13. And when Team Y took the lead inside four minutes at Stadium Z, the home fans were probably starting to fear the worst. But Striker A had other ideas, and this game turned on its head in the space of five minutes midway through the second half. First, a smart finish from the edge of the box brought Team X level, and he repeated the trick on the hour mark to bring his tally for the season to 22. By now, Team X were in the mood, and although striker A squandered a gilt-edge chance to complete his hat-trick, on-loan Dutchman winger B made it three with a curling effort from long range. Team Y's misery was compounded in stoppage time when midfielder C's late challenge on fullback D saw them reduced to ten men. An afternoon to forget for manager E's men then, but Team X will hope they have finally turned a corner under caretaker boss manager F. Listen to Football Clichés wherever you get your podcasts and also ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. Under like, you know, the past, what, nine months or so, just being involved in Moises press conferences, attending matches, I, I don't think this is a one-off. I think this will be a regular thing now, whether we're competing, whether it's for Europa League or Champions League. I don't think this is a one-off at all. Moises always spoke about wanting to be in the right personnel in, so this could be a regular thing. So this don't feel like, oh, we're having a great season, but this will happen again. Moises is like, no, get used to this, guys. We're going to yeah. keep challenging. I hope you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel like a fluke. I mean, you know, people compare it to the season, uh, last season at Upton Park. And, then, you know, you can look back and think, well, maybe that was just because we had Payet, who's like the best player in the league, in my opinion, one of the best in the world. And and it could have been that. And, you know, but you look at it, you think, I don't think this is down to one player. I mean, Lingard's been sensational, but we spent half the season without Lingard. Um, and, and therefore you think, well, no, he's, maybe this is just he's built very good foundations. That said, you know, I look at a team like Wolves, who I thought had had two. They were only on the up. You know, they. Uh, I've really rate their manager highly, and I just thought this is a really solid team. You think, well, look at them. They've really struggled this season. They verged on hovering around relegation zone. So, can happen to anyone. But I hope, I hope that we make not. A, I don't think we need to sign a, a huge amount of players, but I hope we make a couple of shrewd signs that are as shrewd as the other ones that Moyes has been responsible for, and and crack on. Yeah, for sure. Sign 
hopefully two strikers, <laughs> two strikers and a defender, and I'm having a good, maybe another holding midfielder. But listen, uh, we make great progress. We're doing this on, on such a thin squad right now. So imagine what we'll do. Like we'll have a full script, a full strength squad to choose from. I think reason. we should. I think we should sign. Is is a is a maverick idea, right? I like it when, like, when we tried to sign um, what's his name, Tchaikovsky from Burnley. I always like it when it's expensive, but it it usually is a good idea when you go out and sign players who are already playing very well in the Premier League. And I read somewhere that Moyes he he was looking at other players from slightly lower down clubs who, especially if we're in Europe, might consider swapping to us rather than go and take gambles on players in Europe who you don't know how long they're gonna. Um, it take to settle in, right? And um, so I heard us being linked with the likes of St. Maximum. Um, uh, what's his name? Is it McGill or McGuinness at, at Villa? A few others. I thought, you know what? Let's go out and sign Calvin Phillips. All of these Leeds fans are always comparing him, trying to say he's better than Rice, which of course he isn't. But I thought we should just, we should, our response to that should be, all right, we'll buy him. And he can yeah. play. He can play in midfield with Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek, and that is a knockout midfield. Then, isn't it? Then Calvin Phillips sits back, and and Rice is suddenly the shackles are off. He can run around the pitch wherever he wants, score us ten goals next season. Yeah, it becomes that box to box midfielder we know he's capable of of, of of becoming. But you know what? I'm going to put one name in a hat, mm. and that's Russ Barkley. Yeah, I'm putting Russ Barkley in that hat. I, I have a piece coming out tomorrow. On alternatives, in the case we don't sign Lingard, Ross Barkley, one of those players, he's been linked to West Ham on numerous occasions. As we all know, he played on David Moyes at Everton and he struggled right now at Aston Villa, but there's so much similarity between Barkley and Lingard. Yeah. So many similarities. So that's one name to, to you know, keep in mind. Um, now, the key thing is, is, will Moyes be around? Because some people... Um, I've been linking David Moyes even, get ready for this, with the Spurs job, um, which would be, you know, God, he'd have to have some balls on him to even consider that. What worries me more than that, though, is the um, is the prospect that Celtic still don't have a manager. He's an ex-Celtic player. And I think some people maybe down here in England can underestimate the huge emotional pull of Celtic to a player, to one, a Scotsman, and two, a player who's actually played for Celtic. They're such an enormous club. It's such a big deal managing them that part of me thinks, well, you know, unless unless West Ham hurry up, he would, you know, you can see the appeal to Celtic, you know, who've now lost out to Rangers and need to get someone very, very serious in. You know, I'm really genuinely quite worried. I'm surprised it's not being talked about more. Well, I, I'm not worried at all, Sam. <laughs> I'm oh, not yeah. worried at all. Moyes' contract expires at the end of next season. And his camp, I've always maintained, listen, at the end of the season, that's when, you know, we'll, we'll have some talks and mm. uh, establish, you know, how many years will be offered and saw his long-term future at the club. And I feel like the one thing that should have West Ham fans feeling, you know, relatively calm is the project he's building right now at the club. Things are going so well for, for Moyes. As we touched on just briefly, he could be manager of the year. I, I, I know there's the, 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 the appeal and the lure of Celtic, because when I wrote a piece on Moyes the player, I spoke to Charlie, I think his last name, Charlie Nicholas, mm. he's a Sky Sports pundit, and he just shared so many great stories about, 
you know, him and Moyes at Celtic and what they got up to and how they went out partying on New Year's Day and how they were drunk before their match and so many stuff. And obviously, David will remember this. He'll remember all of this stuff. But I, I feel right now you have something so great at West Ham you're building. And you don't want to go to... Listen, Celtic will come down the line, I imagine. That, that's, yeah. not like, that's not like just a, a one-off. Like they'll, they'll come approach you somewhere down the line. Right now, yeah. you're doing so great at West Ham and it'll be a great shame for you to ruin and go somewhere else. Like Stay and just keep building. Right, mate. What have you got coming up for us to read on The Athletic this week? So, peace tomorrow on uh, Alternative to Lingard in the event we don't sign him on a permanent deal. And Stan. <laughs> if things go according to plan, right, I have an yeah. interview with a celebrity fan. Yeah. And I, when I say celebrity fan, I mean a big, big, big time celebrity fan. The Queen. You know, she's oh, Yeah, Stan. yeah, she's the worst time. Yeah, but she's, yeah, she, 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 she's royalty, so, you know. Okay, right. Uh, she's royalty, so, but I'm talking a big time fan. A right. big time fan. So right. hopefully it goes to plan and that could be uh, one for Saturday. If not, I'm going to have to think of what else to write. But <laughs> All right. Well, both of those sound exciting. I'm delighted to hear that there might be alternatives to Lingard. All our fingers crossed we get him no matter what happens. Um, good stuff. All right. We'll look out for that. Um, Burnley next Monday. We'll be back with our response to that. Let's hope for another win. Oh, uh, so, yeah. sorry to cut you off, pal, but... I've noticed the last few weeks you haven't given us an update on um oh what's it what's it called again the Friday chip, thing yeah chip night chip yeah, night we haven't we haven't been given an update pal well I can give you two things one is is that since chip night gate which is what it became known as when I undercut <laughs> the chips right um I have only become responsible we kind of tried to alternate the cooking for chip night once coincidence I don't think so. I think that on a Thursday night, my wife very often says, oh, I'll, I'll do dinner tonight because I'm really she's protecting me from the ridicule of my children because yeah. she knows how much shame I was filled with that night. And she doesn't want me to, to you know, expose myself to that again. So yeah, that and the other thing is, is that uh, last week, mate, because I've, I've decided post Easter when I ate a lot of chocolate, I'm trying to lose a couple of pounds. So I said to um, my missus, look, I'm going to get some sweet potato fries because they're slightly less, you know, there's there's slightly less fattening than normal fries. They cook quicker, mate. They do cook cook quicker. That's the only advantage of them. Although I'm sure you told me once that that was your favourite chip. Yep, yep. I love it. Maybe I picked that up off of you, mate. Maybe you've got inside my head there. Yeah, Yeah, you get frozen McCain sweet potato fries. Very nice. Cook quicker too. See, listeners, we're not only giving you expert knowledge on West Ham, but we're trying to help you out with your dinner as well. So, you know, we're... Uh, yeah, and your hotel choices. And yeah. I even gave you a mattress recommendation earlier. So, you know, never mind the athletic. We should be working for which The Consumer Magazine. <laughs> oh, and also we're giving you tips on how to annoy Frank Lampard on FIFA. Oh, yeah. Listen, if you've got FIFA career mode, even if you don't play it regularly, if your kids have got it, you've never played it before, and you, get, you find yourself a bit of spare time, Give it a go. Start up a career just to troll <laughs> Frank Lampard. It's really great fun. Really is. Um, that's it from us for this week. Thanks for listening as always. Keep the faith, everyone. We can still do this. Um, come on, you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Samasiabu! athletic looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events 
we've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.